You know, sometimes you got to learn to love what's good for you. You know what I mean? Hello and welcome to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh my stars, Victoria, another incest plot? Yes, but this one is different. So often, fantasy is not a reflection of our real-world desires. I do understand why people blanch at fantasies that involve unhealthy departures and relating, like incest or violence. But we also gain so much from examining their origins. Today, we're talking the queen of gothic torrid romance, Cassandra Clare, her Hallmark character, Jace Herondel, and the ways she uses intimate taboos to speak to gaps in real women's desire. It's just a metaphor, you see. And besides, they're not really related. This is a big episode. This is about to go crazy. And I'm excited to do this episode with you. I don't know why it makes it feel like more professional that you also have a podcast. So true. This is a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, we're cross-promoting. Yes. <laughs> um, we're, we're talking Cassandra Clare. Oh, we're getting into it. We're getting into the mortal instruments. It's so weird to me how much I know about this and that there are people who know nothing about this and how lucky they are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I posted um, a, like a reel and about City of Bones, just like a stupid, you know, like the trending sound, like something stupid that was yeah. not any about anything serious at all. And I had a bunch of what I realized after the fact were probably teenage girls commenting on it. And they were like, oh, my God, like I'm on the third one and my goal is to read them all. I was like, your goal? I've read, <laughs> I read the entire Cassandra Clare universe three times over. Like your goal, your goal. And then I was like, "Wait, are you 14? <laughs> and I was like, "I think that 14 year old girls are still discovering the Cassandra Clare universe, like for the first time." This series is 14 year old girl fodder. Like it is. <laughs> this is for girls who are 14 years old. So like, true. This is not even really a series for people who are like 18. <laughs> like this is a series for people who are 14. Well, have you read the um, the spinoff series? Is? Okay, I started to read the clockwork ones. Yeah, that one's good. I read the first two, I think. Yeah. And then maybe the third one like wasn't out yet or something, mm -hmm. or like I kind of fell off, and then I never revisited it. And then there's the other series. What is that there's called? There's a ton of them now. There's oh, Clockwork, God. and then there's what's after Clockwork? There's the new one that I'm waiting on her new release. It's called The Last Hours. That one's really good. That one's also uh, like goes back in time. There I think the thing is that. After I finished this series, I was, like, starving for more. I was like, I want to read, like, her entire universe. And at the same time, like, this author was getting so annoying on Tumblr. <laughs> I was like... Oh, was she? Yes. I was, like, following her on Tumblr. And I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. So then I unfollowed her and stopped reading her books. Isn't that sad? <laughs> I do know that she had some controversy. She was a bit controversial in the fanfic Tumblr world because yeah. City of Bones was developed out of a fan fiction that she wrote about Draco Malfoy. As all things in life are. <laughs> 
created out of a fanfic fan about Draco Malfoy. Malfoy. This podcast is created out of a fanfiction of Draco Malfoy. Exactly, created in his image. Literally. So I know that she is a little bit controversial. She's a, such a strange writer, but you're so right. This series, at least the first one, they don't even like have sex, the main couple, until the very last book. And it's very, like, fade to black. And it's, like, like three sentences yeah, it's, fade to black. It's nothing but the, to write uh, home about. The one, the series that takes place in Los Angeles, I think it's called The Dark Artifices. That, yes, that's the one. That's that, the other one. That one's filthy. Is it? Kind of, yeah. Ooh, gee. <laughs> okay, interesting. That one's filthy. Um, that one's fun. But the Mortal Instruments, I actually think they sort of came into my sphere when we were a little bit younger than 14, because 14 is like high school age. I yeah. think I was probably like in middle school. I was actually older than 14. I was like <laughs> a junior, I think, in high school when I read them. And I love to become like really engrossed in a fantasy series. And this was probably the first series that I had picked up since like I read Twilight in middle school. And then after that, I was, you know, I needed to read something else. So then yeah. I read Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Loved both of those. And this was, like, the next series after Hunger Games, I guess, that I was like, whoa, this is so interesting to me. And I, like, I ran through all of the books so fast. At that time, there was only maybe the three out. And so then I, like, went through, like, all the releases for the whole rest of the series. They're bricks, first of all. Oh, my God. But thank God. Like, I was always thrilled when they came out and they were huge. I was like, yes, so much to get into. I, like, calculated it once. Her, like, average word length for a novel is, like, 150,000 words. God, she's such a freak. What is she doing? She's insane. (laughs) Like, Like, for what these books are, like, not that... Not that they're not good. They actually are quite good, but, like, not enough happens in them to warrant that. Like, that's insane. But that's an average. There are some that I think were, like, well over 200,000 words. And I'm like, that is crazy. That's insane. What is the last book called? Heavenly... Heavenly Fire. Heavenly Fire. City of Heavenly Fire. That one is, yeah, massive. That's a doorstop. No, that book is massive. Anyways, I... I think that, like, following her career and following her as, like, a writer, I don't think that she's ever quite written a character like Jace, and that's what we're kind of here to talk about. Jace is the backbone of Cassandra Clare's career, okay? Jace might be the backbone of every dating decision I've made in my whole life. Jace is the backbone of society. (laughs) I think that this character, she put crack in this character. She did. Like, what? Okay. (laughs) We have to get into it, though, because... Jace, whatever his last name is, I mean, are we even going to get it into it? Four I was going to say spoilers ahead. Yeah. I mean, so he is just like the ultimate young adult novel boyfriend. So true. Well, yes, but also I think that that really informs like sort of what you liked about him because a lot of you know I re- I read. I ripped through anything in the young adult section when I was younger. And, like, I really do think that there are these different tropes. And a lot of times, you know, there are some girls who aren't into the dark. He's dark. He's a little mean. He's very, like, you know, he was based off of Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Um, Not all girls are into that. There's definitely, like, the... There's different tropes, and some of them aren't like that. But Jace really is the, the pinnacle of bad boy. If you were into, like, a brooding mean bad boy, he is it. And was that, like, your thing? It's interesting because I think that this did mark a turn in my, like, 
maturity like when i read like harry potter for example like mm -hmm. i would not have been into like the draco malfoy of it all yeah i would have been into i mean my one like couple that i loved was like harry and Ginny. like they've known each other their whole lives and like mm. you know they grow up like as friends and they like have known each other for years and years and have this trust in each other That's and right. then they fall in love kind of thing and it's very like wholesome yes it's very wholesome and i loved that i was like and ron and hermione as well yeah. And I was like, that's just like so cute to me. And this is not that. <laughs> this is not that. And this like definitely marked a turn in like my interests towards like even now. I mean, we're not going to get into a court of thorns and roses, but we sure could. But we sure could. The bad boy image yeah. and like that kind of role in the relationship. This was what created that this like interest for me. Pandora's yes. box for you. Yes, this was See, it. What age do you think you were when you read the books first? I think I read this series when I was like 16. Okay, so that's when you like really, or I think on average when people really start dating, like yeah. actually real life dating. Well, you would think. I went to musical theater high school. So oh, you did? Where'd you go? I went to Regional Center for the Arts. Okay. It's in Connecticut. Um, so I knew a lot of gay people. <laughs> okay, so you weren't dating? <laughs> no, I wasn't dating. <laughs> I don't know. I grew up in theater institutions, acting institutions as well, and they can get pretty... And they did. There was, there was of course one straight boy who I mean yeah. made the rounds. Yeah. You know, I'll say that. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think that there that is part of it. Like it's also like you're now at the point in your life where you actually like could see yourself in these positions instead mm -hmm. of like thinking more abstractly about like a someday kind of thing. When you read something when you're 12 versus when you read it when you're 17. Yeah, you have a different. You know, all of these books are kind of created like young adult novels so that you like insert yourself into the main character. Mm -hmm. But that feels a lot different depending on like who you are yeah. at the time that you're reading it. You so know? like you're in a theater school in Connecticut yeah. <laughs> that's pretty dry when it comes to a sexual adventure. You pick up Cassandra Clare and you're like, whoa. She sends me spinning. <laughs> <laughs> Because Jace is like, I mean, to anybody who's never read the series, like, yeah. he is, she gasses, like, every possible thing that I think a teenage girl wants to experience, which is, he's basically a 22 to 5-year-old man. Yeah. He's, you know, he, he, the world that they exist in, he has the responsibilities and the freedoms of somebody who is already living on An their, adult, yes. Yeah, living on their own. He's very dangerous. Like, being around him is quite dangerous. But, you know, he also has that quality of, like, he kind of knows it's Clary as soon as he sees her sort of thing, yeah. right? And, like, they have the constant draw to each other, like, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think I love that, too. Like, I mm. think that that element of it is being, like, okay, like, there's all this other stuff going on with him, but, like, but the draw, like, it's just, mm. it's just there. Like, it just is between them, you know? That's and I think so, that's so romantic. That's so true. From the moment he sees her, it's literally obsessive love at first sight. And I think... And he what, plays it cool. Yeah. He plays it cool. Well, he does the whole, like, I'm going to be mean to you so right. I don't fall in love with you thing. Yeah, which rocks. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. She, Cassandra Clare, I feel like, you know, all of these things we're talking about, like, he's a bad boy, and Clary's a good girl. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy, the girl he falls in love with, the main character. She's a good girl, you know? And so am I. Right! Easy to insert. <laughs> I was like, perfect. And uh, he, she's very inexperienced. He seems much more sexually experienced than she is. That's within the first five chapters they start talking about that. Yeah. 
which is another thing that, like, I feel like Cassandra Clare takes all these experiences that you have as a young woman, where it's like, you want so badly to touch things that you should not be touching yet, and a lot of times you don't have access to, you know, like, you want danger, you want sex, you want romance, you want tension, and you just don't really get that, like, and you maybe shouldn't, but you want it. You want it. (laughs) No, you want it. You want it bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so true, and I think that there is, like, you know, a, like, guiding element of this as well and like the trust that she has in Jason being like well he's like done all this stuff before you Mm -hmm. know what I mean that's attractive too to like a young girl yeah because you don't know anything about sex and it's like all you think about (laughs) yeah and the idea that someone is like okay with that yeah perfect perfect yeah no all of these things you're saying it's like she really leans into tension which is a perfect segue for the incest (laughs) this is gonna get a little Oedipal (laughs) I when you were like oh Come on the pod and we'll we'll chat about Jace. I'm like, the thing about it is it's like, what is attractive about this? For the first like three books, well not the first book, but like yeah. the second and third book, they are, for all intents and purposes, siblings. Yeah. And that is crazy. But it was it we I'm just gonna be honest, because it's really we're not nobody I feel like has maybe they have I haven't looked on J Store or something, but like nobody has <laughs> analyzed like she keeps this incest plot, and they're not blood-related. They weren't raised together in the end. They the, are. Oh, yeah. They they think that they're blood-related. No, they do think that. But and, they aren't. And all signs point to that they are blood-related yes. by the end of the first book. Yes. It's um, it's the same plot, plot as Star Wars for anybody who hasn't read the book. It, yeah, you know, it's, yes, Luke, yes. Luke, I am your father. Same idea. Yeah. Um, but she keeps, she uses that as a device to maintain the tension. Yes. For Three books. Which is insane. <laughs> she maintains that for three books. And I swear to God, some of the hottest, like, because te- it, it's a fade to black book. You don't get anything explicit. But, like, some of the hottest, like, romantic moments in the book are from that tension of mm-hmm. we are so into each other, but we are related. But we can't. Yeah. Like, the forbiddenness of the it. The forbiddenness. And I gotta say, listen, <laughs> no knocks to Cassandra Clare on this, but... Like, reading the books, I was like, there's no fucking way they're siblings, right? I was like, you cannot write a book like this. Like, you cannot write a book about two people continually making out and saying we're in love with each other. Like, when they're brother and sister, I was like, there has got to be some way out of this. Like, it cannot end this way. Like, how wrong? Actually, I did read a series where they were actually related. And they just kept getting... It was called Blue Bloods. And the way around, like, them being romance, like, romantic and related was that, like... The way that the vampires worked in that universe was not like you just live forever in the same body. Mm-hmm. It was like your consciousness and soul lives forever and transfers from body to body. So in this lifetime and in these bodies, they were brother and sister, but their Got consciousness it. has not been related throughout time. Okay. But they were blood related in that lifetime. Okay, okay, but there was still a workaround. There was a workaround. They tried to justify it being like, this is what's going on. Like, yeah. I was like, she's gonna have to, the shoe was gonna have to drop, but right? Like, yeah. this cannot just end with them being like, fuck it, we're brother and sister, let's get married. <laughs> I was like, it's gotta end in some other way. But it does create, like, I remember there's this scene 
it's very infamous. Uh, everybody who's read the books like remembers how much of a sexual awakening this scene was. Do you remember when like they're like in a field? They're like after they have investigated some like old abandoned mansion in City of Glass. Yeah. Yeah, and they're in a field yeah. and they just had this really dangerous dramatic encounter and they think this like mansion lights on fire or blows up or something and they're like escaping in this field and they finally get far enough away and then they just start like going at it. And I remember... Good for them. <laughs> I remember being like, jaw on the floor, this is eroticism. No, and there are freaks for that. Like, I will say it. I, I was like, you two have got to quit it. Like, I was so into it, like, so horny for this. Like, I was like, these two, like, belong together. And at the same time, I was like, you guys, come on. Like, <laughs> this is not it. Like, you got to figure this shit out before you start doing this. So funny. Like, it really is such a roller coaster, it these is a, books. Yeah, it's a big roller coaster. But I I still don't fully... I think I was a pretty, like, troubled youth. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that, like, the way that manifested... Like, I think there's two ways that, like, a desire for danger, danger like, manifests in a teenage girl. Mm -hmm. It's either, like, you throw yourself at anything that is going to, you know, fuck your life up or kind of be harmful to Give you. Give you that thrill. Yeah. yeah. Or, I don't know, you find a healthy outlet for it or you just, you don't have access to it or you go about your day and you forget about it. Yeah. Like, but I just, I like can't quite figure out why that is. Like, why do these books work so well? Because they are so, so much conflict, so much like tension and trauma and dr drama you know that's the thing outside of the like romance of these novels like they are like crazy like so there toxic. is so much going on in yeah. them and they are like very much like thrillers in a way like there's mm -hmm. so much that happens and it's all very dark you know yeah. um i wish i could say i think what like attracted me to that as a teenager i think it is like kind of what you're saying like just the the idea that I didn't have like any freedom or like access to, like mm. anything right. like that, you know, like even th there's something in these books where they go to like a teen nightclub, which is I know exactly what you're talking literally about. hysterical. Like the concept of like they're at it, like, it functions exactly like a nightclub except they don't have alcohol because yeah. they're all teenagers, and I'm like this is silly, but also like what I wouldn't have gave to like mm. have something like that as. Right a 16, 17 year old. And obviously they like are doing drugs or whatever. I like the yeah. nightclub. And I'm like, that is like so cool. Like I was like, that is sick. They literally talk about doing ketamine yes. at the nightclub. And like even the idea that like they all go as like their little friend group, like yeah. they just have like such a fun little balanced group mm -hmm. that I think also just makes the entire right. series like function so well. I think what you said about like you have no freedom. And I think that really sort of speaks to like how I don't know, most suburban, I mean, it sounds like you were in a suburb. Um, Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like most, suburb, all teenagers, you know, all teenagers, you're, you have to, most of us have to go to school until we're 16. And it's like, it feels like a prison. Like, why does something that is like, I liked school, I did for the most part, but mm -hmm. it, it did in many ways feel like a prison to me. And I think that so many teenagers would be like, yeah. It my a lot of my upbringing felt like that. I just don't understand. You're so ready for a change by the time you're in yeah. those last years of high school. Like it has gotten so monotonous mm -hmm. being in school every day, and I think there's like so much, and even being around the same people your entire life, and you really just like are having that urge for like 
whatever comes next. Yeah. And I think that there's like a real expression of that in these books. In these books. Also, another thing I love about these books, okay, first book, mom is like kidnapped. Yeah. Okay. Mom. mom and dad are like not in the picture mm-hmm. in these novels, like mm-hmm. barely at all. Like, yeah. okay, the Lightwood kids, they have their parents but they're kind always of around, gone. but they're always on business. So I'm like, that also was very fun for me as a teenager. It's like, okay, great. Like, they're pretty much just doing whatever the fuck they want. Like, there are no adults involved. Yeah. Every now and then, they, like, need something from an adult, and they, like, go find an adult, and they, like, give it to them. Other than that, they functionally run their own own lives. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, there's just something so attractive about freedom, I guess, when you're a teenager. And, you know, when you're told that you can't do something, it just makes you violently, aggressively want to do it more. Yes, And and it's cooler to read about teenagers doing stuff. Yeah. like on their own than just reading a book about adults doing stuff on their own. It's like, no, no, I know adults can do stuff on their own. I want to read about oh, yeah. a 17-year-old who can do whatever the hell she wants. And you're also like, I don't want to wait 10 years. Seriously. It's like it gives the like fantasy to be like, okay, this this will happen tomorrow yeah. to you. I also <laughs> think there's probably something to be said about how much your sexuality is repressed when you're mm. a young girl and like romance novels are such an outlet for that for young girls. But like maybe it's a, a lot to do with like you're just... I went to. I was raised in a Catholic community, so like you are not allowed to express sexuality at all. And like even if you're not in a religious community, you still don't have a lot of outlets for it. Yeah. Like the people who, the girls who do have an outlet to express sexuality are usually like, kind of not treated very well. No. And it's yeah, it's not seen as like a positive thing. No. To do like you can do it. Yeah. Um, and you can even have a positive experience with it, but, like, right. other people kind of look down on it. Yeah. Especially at that age. And, like, yeah, I think especially in, like, certain communities. Right. It's just such a part of, cult, like, culture when you're a young girl. Like, it's so pervasive. I think that, like, it makes you want to experience the most crazy, toxic <laughs> shit when it comes to love and romance. And maybe, you know what, maybe there are girls out there who are like, y'all are fucked up. I did not have this experience. <laughs> Do you know what, Liz, like, to me, the best scene in this series is when, okay, Jace is, like, in the house with Sebastian, mm-hmm. and his rune gets cut, mm-hmm. and he, like, comes back into himself for, yeah. like, that one night. I remember that. That is, like, peak toxicity. Like, she's, like, living in their house. Jace is, like, under a spell, basically. Like, yeah. he is, like, not acting like himself. He's, like, acting like a drone yeah. for, like, the evil character. He's, like, a c- kind of a more reckless version of himself, actually. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, he basically has, like, I don't know what, like, it does. I, like, don't exactly remember, but, yeah, he's, like, completely, like, detached, mm-hmm. sort of, from, like, Clary and, like, everything that's going on. And then he, like, comes back into himself for, like, one night, and I'm, like... And, the, yeah, yep. I, is that the... I don't remember which book. I think it's the second-to-last book. Oh, so I have to wait a long time because I'm rereading the series and I think that's the best book. Yeah, I love that book. Yeah, I remember that scene where... Cause Again, all... tension though. Like tension. she's such a master of tension. Like they are literally living... She has like abandoned her family essentially yeah. to keep an eye on him in this like situation mm-hmm. when he's not himself and he's like doing all these crazy things and they still do have like a relationship. Like him in this like headspace knows that that's like... Clary, his girlfriend, like, he knows it, but, like, she can't connect with him in, like, the way that he is. Like, oh, so torturous. Like, she can't say what she needs to, and, like, she can't communicate with him because he's, like, all going back to, like, whatever his name is. I don't want to, like, spoil too much. But I'm like, this is just so... 
it's so hot then when it finally <laughs> breaks, like when it finally snaps and then they're like able to like actually talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's I, that, that book's definitely the hottest one. Yes. And I also remember that book has, because they're also on this like Bonnie and Clyde journey yes. with Sebastian. They're like, they're also, like, in Paris and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of, like, I don't know. That one is a real departure from the world, but it is so really sh- fun. They, like, commit to, like, basically a life of crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all three of them are on this, like, Bonnie and Clyde, like, treasure hunt to yes. find some magical thing. Whatever. Again, she's 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, like, 18 at this point. She's 15 when the books start, which I think is a little too young. Um, but True. Yeah, a little too young. Um but I remember there's that scene where they basically go to a demon club. They go to, like, a downworlder club, mm-hmm. and they, like, do drugs together. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, I totally forgot about that scene. And yeah. that one is, like, I remember also being, like... That's also hot. This is sexuality. No, literally. <laughs> oh, my God. But that does mimic your feelings so much. Like, you know, you want to experience these things so badly. You feel like you're trapped. You feel like you have no outlet for it. And it's like when you finally do get to the point, you do feel like you're going to fucking explode. And I feel like that's why, like, to some extent, like, I don't reread these books as much now <laughs> as I did. Like, I reread them a ton in college. Yeah. And I do still revisit it every now and then because, you know what? Oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Like, it is good. But sometimes I am, like, it doesn't hold the same, I think, space for me that it mm, used to because, like, you. it used to represent, like, I think a lot more. Mm. And, like, I also think, like, relating Jace to, like, a real-world man, like, what he represents and, like, how he acts is very attractive in the books. But I think a real person acting like that is actually so ick. And so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Like, he's so cocky, which is, like, yes, like, you want to be approached, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the idea. It's, like, he is you know, going for, like, what he wants. He's, like, a very confident person. But yeah. it's, like, if someone actually approaches you in a way where, like, they know you'll say yes, yeah. you uh. immediately want to reject them because you're, like, you don't know fucking anything. Yeah. No. Ick. Like, I can't take it. So then I'm, like, that is also what's interesting about it is, like, I can kind of suspend disbelief and, like, yeah. read into the book and be, like, I'm Clary and, like, this is hot and, like, the whole thing is really fun. But it is just, like, kind of pretend, like... If any, if I met anyone who acted like this, I would be like, please get a million miles away from me, <laughs> right? So true. Like and it's not really realistic. It just is the fantasy. Yeah, that's a trend I've really been finding in these toxic fantasies. Is, is like I want to experience this in real life. No, like I just, at all. Yeah, this is fulfilling something in me. Do you think that you like you left high school, you got to college? Did you like have a particularly wild like experience when you left? Honestly, no. I mean, it definitely was, like, more wild than, like, it was, you know, in high school. But, I mean, I think that, like, I've had a lot of, like, the more, like, I don't know, crazy things happen in my life, like, as I've become an adult. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is how it should be. Like, you know, I feel like I've been on, like, a good track of, uh, you know, I've had, like, a lot of, like, fun experiences and as, you know, someone in, like, my mid-20s, which is crazy to think when I was... 16 which feels like it was yesterday Mm -hmm. I was like that is so far away though you know what I mean like I need that to happen right now like I need that to happen in the next few weeks and it's like it really didn't happen for like six seven years Mm -hmm. eight years and it's like it felt like nothing though at the end of the day I wish I could I wish I could say that and be like girl you time is gonna fly like you will get there so quick yeah it's crazy so you didn't learn your lesson the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I didn't. And, like, I do, I think that part of it is, like, what you said before, like, having a healthy outlet, right? Like, yeah. I think that this, like, was an element of that. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, that's, and also, like, I mean, there's also an element to Jace where it's, like, he's gorgeous. Every explanation about him, if they explain how blonde his hair is one more time. If Which, we... again, blonde men in real life. <laughs> no. Get away from me. <laughs> but in the book, I'm like, oh, my God, golden-haired prince. Literally. He's a golden-haired prince. He's hot and buff, and he kills demons, and he's the greatest warrior. They're also, of all time. Like, basically soldiers. Like, yeah, which is also crazy. Yeah, even though they're children. Cassandra. Cassandra. <laughs> what was that all about? But you like, it, you're just like, yeah. You, you do suspend disbelief. You're like, yeah. Totally. And like, it's so attractive too how like, Clary at the end of the day is the hero of these books. Yeah, she is. It really isn't Jace or like anyone else. Like she pretty much like runs shit on her own. But like because Jace is like greatest warrior, like whatever, it's like he's not threatened by that. And like he is like very helpful and like supportive of the yeah. fact that she is like the god. Like she's yeah. the girl. Once they're in love, he drops the ego. Totally, the totally. Fir- I mean not with anyone else, but like the Yeah, fir- but with yeah. her, again, that's so special, Maybe right? She's so special. Acting different just around her. Yeah, which in real life soft just for her. Not good. That's a red flag. In real life, if your boyfriend only acts a certain way around He's you, only nice to you. <laughs> not good. Not good. Not a good sign. But so hot in books. Like, so, love that. That's all of a Kotar. Oh, my God. I know. I was literally just thinking that. I was like... That's all of a Kotar. Mean to everyone else. But loves you. But loves and you and would do anything would for and you. Would do anything for you. Because, and this is something I've talked about with other people as well on the podcast. It's like, you also really just like as a woman and as a young girl, but even honestly as a woman, like there are very few situations in which you feel like so centered and respected and special and your perspective is what matters and your safety and your care is what matters. Like so rarely do you get that. I'm not sure that I've ever fully 100% received that. Totally. So like this repeated trope in fantasy and romance where it's like, you're just so special special and he's super rich or super buff or super powerful and he's showering you in this it's like a lot of times (laughs) 50 shades of gray shit exactly like a lot of times in real life like that's not that's really not what we're looking for it's not that we have a fantasy of fucking a really hot buff guy which would be nice but you know i wouldn't i wouldn't go so far as to say i don't have that fantasy (laughs) but (laughs) i wouldn't go so far as to say i wouldn't yeah i'm not gonna dismiss it but but a lot of times that's not what's at the root of the fantasy what's Mm -mm. at the root of the fantasy is that i am being centered and i am the most important factor in this scenario totally and that is so clary clary is always the center of this book and and the the i mean the universe is just like i could get all freudian about like and i am and i'm doing that um but the universe is beautiful. Yes. The, the imagery in the books is beautiful. It really is. The plots keep you keep you hooked. It keeps moving. And, like, that is also huge. Like, yeah. these books, I mean, they move. What do we say? 150,000 words? Yeah. Like, I mean, she has things to say, okay? <laughs> and things continue to move on. There's also a lot of real twists mm-hmm. and, like, <gasps> genuine, yeah. like, character deaths. Yeah. And, like, things really do happen in the books that also make it, like, very exciting. Mm-hmm. But... At the end of the day, I mean, it is, for me, it is about the romance. And you know what's funny about these books is that they also have a lot of side romances. Like, there's a couple of characters who have, like, very serious, like, series-long arcs Mm -hmm. in relationships. And I honestly don't give a fuck about any of them. Like, (laughs) I literally only care about Jason Clary. I'm like, the rest of these, take them or leave them. (laughs) 
Magnum and a lot of them Alec are are queer, are queer relationships though. She's really good at true. She was one of the first authors I ever read who did that. Who like committed to the queer relationships and and not just like one. Like she committed to that. There was a lot of like you know, just queer people in the universe. Yes, which I agree that, like, okay, Magnus and Alex, they have, like, kind of an interesting thing going on that I'm like, okay, I will give it to them. That's a balance, Simon. I'm like, okay, I don't really know that I care much about this. I'm like, I don't really know what's going on here. Then she introduces, like, the werewolves, and, like, then they have, like, their own, like, trio, like, drama. I'm like, now what is this? I'm like, who are they? I don't care about the B-plot I'm like, yeah, I do not. It's This is, like, the D-plot. I'm like, girl, who are these people? I'm like, I do not care about this. They're like, oh, we're, like, moving in together or whatever. They're having, like, the most random drama. I'm like, what is going on? Get back to the original plot. Well, it's 150,000 words. She has to fill. She's got to fill something. She's got something to say. Clary's mom has like relationship drama. I'm yeah. like, all right, now we're getting into it. I'm like, all right, let's back it up. They keep you hooked. They're exciting. The universe. There's so much tension. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. She. I would love to meet this lady. Maybe if this podcast, you know, really picks up. Cassandra, if you're listening to this, if you got past us at the beginning saying that you're a crazy freak <laughs> and you're still listening, we'd love to have you on. I'd love to have you on. I have such a respect for you as an author. I do have respect for her as an author. I do. This is a great series. This is an amazing, I think she's an amazing writer. I if you like fantasy, like romantic fantasy yeah. novels, this is a must read. But it's not, the romance doesn't like only fuel the plot. Like there is no. a lot of other, there. the romance is honestly B plot. Like for us, it was A plot. For me, it was the only plot, <laughs> but agreed that it is like the B plot overall of what these series There's is about. There's like a big uh, sort of. I wish there was more romance in it. Like I wish know. that there was more scenes Less between Jason and Clary. Give me. I know, especially by the end. I'm yeah. like, all right, we've sat through a lot. Well, we have a Kotar for that now. So true. Yeah. Thank God. It's it's so funny now that how like now it used to be with romance and romantic fantasy there was like really there was that like romance section with the cheesy covers that like everybody made fun of in Mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble and then there was young adult which you sort of had to like tuck the filthy parts away but a lot of them did get pretty filthy which a lot of these Cassandra Clare books do at some point they they listen (laughs) I'm all for it the thing is I like did grow up reading like fan fiction as like yeah. my main thing that I read like yeah. I didn't read a lot of books in high school That's I read I read fan fiction constantly oh, yeah it's all erotica I mean yeah. it's all disgusting I'm like in homeroom <laughs> on my phone like also not even like an iPhone like this is like an old like pre-iPhone like Android situation yeah. that like flips open but also has a touchscreen. I'm like it's so small I'm like squinting my eyes to read like Harry Potter like I was obviously we could get into it I was obviously a Marauders era freak yeah. for no reason so I'm like reading like James and Lily Potter erotic, erotic fan fiction. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Where am I? Indy Sleaze is like back. It's so funny that now like we're t- 10 years past like when we were just children, teenagers, and now like our era of like being stupid and young is being romanticized on TikTok. I know, it's honestly sick. I'm like, <laughs> you guys are twisted for this but all you little girlies out there romanticizing the indie sleaze era that's what it was absolutely you're fucking old lg chocolate reading tumblr (laughs) marauders fanfic and homeroom and it slapped every time it did slap every time no i do really have a lot of respect for her as an author and i i think that she's actually quite an elegant writer but i do think that like her series is and 
was kind of the bridge to, we never used to have a Kotars. No. We never used to have public conversations around high fantasy romance. Like, high fantasy romance never really used to be a thing. She was kind of one of the first people to do it. You know, there's, like, Outlander, but Outlander's honestly kind of boring. It's very historical. Agreed. I think that, like, it was also just, like, one of those stars-aligned moments where, Mm -hmm. like, Fifty Shades of Grey, like, did totally change, I feel like, the cultural conversation around, like, publicly, like, reading, like, smut novels. Like, people were just on the subway reading Fifty Shades of Grey. It was, like, a best-selling novel for a long time. And that made everyone be like, oh, well, BDSM, and, like, everyone had, like, laughs about it. But, like, genuinely, it did get people being like, okay, this is, like, a whole genre that, like, people obviously do read. It's a best-seller. Like, everyone is reading this. Yeah. And so then I think it became a little bit more, like... I'm not going to say normalized, but, like, I think that then when, like, other, like, really great pieces of work, like, Akatar is a great example. Like, Akatar is an an amazing book. Like, it's very well written in addition to also being smut. But, yeah, so it really just, like, came at a great time. And same with Cassandra Clare. I mean, just when she was releasing these novels, it was, like, the cultural time to be, like, high fantasy smut novel. Like, girl, let's get it. Like, it is your time. It's funny, though, because, like, they're the only outlets before used to be young adult and then the romance and the romance like it was never high fantasy it was always sort of low fantasy more simple but like a kotar is written for women in their early 20s yeah all of the characters are quite old mm-hmm. i would say that the like immortal beings or the fantasy beings present like 35 40 truly like <laughs> Which is hysterical. They present really old, and the, how old is Farah? The main like character, 19? I believe, begins at twenty. Or yeah, I think 21. she's nineteen or twenty. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, like, but she really also is sort of she is emotionally about a twenty-five year old. I think twenty-five yeah. to late twenties. Um, so it's funny they're never like I feel feel like Cassandra Clare was this bridge to like you know. like, full-grown women being able to read high fantasy smut in public, and now there's this whole genre of it. No, it's so true. I think that, like, she... I mean, she is the gateway drug. Like, do you know what I mean? (laughs) If you read read this series, you've read Akatar. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, this this set the groundwork. Like, this this was the foundation. Absolutely. Um, I... (laughs) Have you ever read the book Credence? (laughs) Wait, no, I haven't, but I started it. You started Credence? Yes. I just, it's like, it's, there's a huge incest plot. It's, they're not blood related, but. I think I started it and then I was like, I can't actually deal with all of this right now. Like I literally, I read like two chapters and I was like, this is actually going to be way too much for me to like get involved in and then I stopped. This is the, that's the fucking craziest book I've ever read, actually actually the craziest. Maybe I'll revisit it. Do you think I should? I do, actually. Okay, I maybe actually, I will. I think I really... At the time, I was too overstimulated in my life. I was like, this is not the book I'm looking for. <laughs> hmm, maybe I'll go back to it. It's like, it's definitely problematic. Like, there, it's definitely toxic, but you know, this whole podcast is about, like... Time to form an opinion, you yeah, know? <laughs> accepting fantasies as they are, not policing desire, just trying to... We're not kink-shaming, we're kink-asking why. Yeah, we're, we're kink-critiquing. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. And Credence is so strange, because it really does not follow traditional feminine tropes mm. at all. It's the strangest book I've ever read. Like, because there's always a catalyst at the beginning. The catalyst for City of Bones is her mom disappears. You know, there's always something that throws you into the world. The catalyst for this book, this is all in the dust jacket. Yeah. Her parents murder-suicide each other. Love. It reads like the first sort of, like, montage of Midsummer. Yeah. It's so strange. And the settings are strange. And the weirdest part is it's not poorly written. (laughs) 
And that's what really throws you for a loop. It's, it's like, now wait a second. <laughs> it's kind of profound. Like, she does sort of find a way to tie in the fucked up, like sort of fantasy smut tropes into something sort of like profound and this like growing phase for that's this beautiful. young and that's that's literature. And that's art right there. And that's the episode. And that's the episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking incest plots with me in public. Next week we cover House of Dragons. <laughs> I do want to talk to somebody about House of the Dragon. I haven't watched it. Don't. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. I love and appreciate you for doing so more than I can say. Tune in next week for a very special guest, Ask a Sub's Lena Dune. I sit down with the writer and sex educator to talk about why she loves your Toxic Turn-Ons and why you should too. For extended show notes that include reading, watching, and listening recommendations, as well as a related journal prompt, subscribe to my Substack below.